0: The following is a teaching from Irving Bible Church. To learn more about who we are, visit irvingbible.org new. The scripture reading for today is from Romans eight twenty-six through 30. In the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. that he might be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. And those he predestined, he also called. Those he called, he also justified. Those he justified, he also glorified. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Please be seated.
1: Good morning, IBC. My name is Sissy, I'm one of the pastors here. So glad that you joined us this morning. Happy Mother's Day to all the mothers. And I know that there are some women here and perhaps you don't have children, but in the family of God, you are spiritual mothers. There are a few women in this church who are spiritual mothers to me. You love me and you care for me, you pray for me, and I'm so grateful for each of you. I especially wanna say happy Mother's Day to my mom who's watching all the way from New Jersey. My mom was my first Bible teacher. The most significant formative things I learned about following Jesus, I didn't learn in a seminary classroom. The most significant formative things I learned about following Jesus, I learned by watching her. So mom, that's my Mother's Day gift to you. And today, we honor all the women in our lives who mother us in so many different ways. Now, I don't know what my brother or sister got my mom for Mother's Day, but I'm pretty sure I just won best gift. It's not a competition, but in my family, it kind of is. So there you have it. (laughs) Well, we're in the middle of a series that we've entitled, Never the Same. We've been looking at Romans 8. Because if the tomb is empty, then anything is possible. If the tomb is empty, then there's a power at work in the world and available to us that can change everything, change our lives, change our hearts, change our very destinies. If the tomb is empty, friends, then nothing is ever the same. And quite often, unfortunately, we live unaware of this power. In Romans 8, Paul says that the same power that raised Jesus from the dead is living inside of us. We have unimaginable resources available to us through the presence and power of the Spirit. And yet at the same time, we're faced with the reality that sometimes life can be painful and difficult, that sometimes life can be filled with despair and disappointment, and for many of us, life has not turned out the way we thought it would. And so it's hard in those moments to recognize the resources available to us in the spirit. Last week, I took a quick trip to New Jersey to visit my parents. It was my dad's 86th birthday, so we got to celebrate that. But the primary reason I was there was because my mom had some doctor's appointments. My mom is facing some significant health challenges, and the prognosis isn't good. And decline of her health Even her quality of life is inevitable. And that's been hard on us. And there have been many nights where I've just laid awake, wondering to myself, what are we gonna do? Because as a daughter, it's been hard to be 1,500 miles away and watch my parents, especially my mom, navigate all of this. And there have been so many moments where I just feel lost. I don't even know what to pray for because I don't know what to do. And I like to have plans, and instead I find myself navigating grief and sadness and facing a reality that feels uncertain and unstable. And in the midst of my grief, there have been so many moments where I feel angry and confused. Because this isn't the story that I would have written for my mom or for my family. It doesn't seem fair. It doesn't make sense. And so there's so many mornings where I've cried out to God, God, I don't understand what you're doing. I don't understand. But oh, would you help me to trust you? I wonder if you've ever felt like that. Maybe you feel like that right now. Maybe you're facing a hard situation and... You don't even know what to pray for because you don't know what to do. Perhaps for you, it's a broken relationship that you're not sure can be restored. Or maybe it's a hidden addiction that is destroying your life. Maybe it's a chronic illness that just leaves you feeling in despair. Or perhaps for you, it's your finances. No matter how hard you work, you just can't seem to make ends meet. Maybe it's grief over the loss of someone that you love that just feels suffocating. Or maybe you're standing by watching one of your children make some really bad decisions and there's absolutely nothing you can do about it. It doesn't make sense. Life doesn't feel fair. Life feels uncertain and unstable. So what do you do in the difficult seasons of life. What do you do when life doesn't make sense? And where is God in all of these moments? This morning, I want us to take a look at Romans eight twenty-six to 30. And here's what I want to show you. In the most difficult moments of life, the Spirit is with you and at work in you, forming you to be more like Jesus. You are not alone and no matter what you're facing today, your ultimate destiny is eternal glory and greatness with Jesus. And so this morning, all I wanna do is to walk through this passage and to share with you three truths and three invitations. Three truths, three invitations. Now here's the first truth. The Spirit forms us by helping us in our weakness. We believe in a triune God. One God in three persons: God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. The Spirit is God. The Spirit is the personal, empowering presence of God. And if you put your trust in Jesus, the Spirit lives in you. Romans 8:26. In the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. And he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance with the will of God. Paul begins by saying in the same way. Just back in verses 23 to 25, he's just talked about hope. So just as hope helps us, so also the Spirit helps us. He helps us in our weakness. You and I are weak. This is just part of being human. We experience brokenness and confusion, doubt and disappointment and despair. And sometimes it can feel like life has beaten us up, busted us open and bruised our very souls. We are weak, but the Spirit helps us in our weakness. That word help there means to come to the aid of, to bear a burden along with The Spirit joins us in bearing our burdens that are caused by our weaknesses, because we can become so overwhelmed by the crushing weight of life in this world that sometimes we don't even know what to pray for, because many times we don't even know what's best for us. And when we don't know how to pray, the Spirit brings our petitions before the throne of God. When life becomes so senseless and confusing, so painful and difficult that we don't even know what to pray for, when we don't have words to express our pain, the spirit intercedes for us according to the will of God through wordless groans. A groaning too deep for words. In verse 22, creation groans. In verse 23, we groan. But now in verse 26, the spirit groans. In those moments of life when we're so overwhelmed and in despair that all that can come out of our hearts is a groan. In those moments, the Spirit groans with us in our weakness. He's with us in our struggles, moving us to trust God, to keep persevering in faith. He is interceding for us, bringing our prayers to the Father. The Spirit shares so deeply in our pain that He intercedes with groans that words cannot express. The Spirit is with us in our pain. He's helping us in our weakness. And the reason we can cling to God in in our struggles and in our weaknesses, the reason why I can trust God even when I don't understand what he's doing is because the Spirit is helping me. He's deepening my faith. He's reminding me of who God is and how much he loves me. The Spirit enables us to pray in line with God's good plans and purposes according to God's will. The spirit is with us and at work in us in our weakness. And God is inviting you to bring your weakness to him and to allow his power to be made perfect in it. Friends, all you need is need. Admit your need and bring that to God. Life is not about pulling yourself up by your bootstraps. It's not about knowing what to do or even knowing how to pray all the time. It's about walking with the Spirit and relying on him to help us in our weakness. The Spirit forms us by helping us in our weakness. Second truth, the Spirit forms us through God's providential care in our lives. Now, what do I mean by God's providential care? Often, we chalk things up to luck or chance, coincidence or or fate, but providence is the belief that there's more going on than we're aware of. Because God is intimately and actively involved in sustaining and governing our world. He is at work in the, sh- in the shadows so that his purposes and his plans can be accomplished in us. God is intimately involved in your life. More than you can understand, more than you can see, even when life doesn't make sense, the spirit is at work. Verse 28, and we know that in all things, God works together for the good of those who love him who have been called according to his purpose. This verse has been often offered uh, as an empty platitude to those who are in the midst of deep pain and suffering. But if we really understood this verse, we would see it not as an empty platitude, but rather as an overflowing promise that can transform the way we live. A more literal translation would be, for those loving him God works together all things into good. So let's take a closer look. Look at the first part, for those loving him. In the Bible, those who love God are those who have made a commitment to live for God. In the NIV translation, it says that this verse is for those who have been called. And to be called means that God has brought you into a relationship with himself. And so this promise is for those who love God, who embrace his purpose for their lives, for those who hate sin and desire to please the Father, not out of begrudging submission, but out of joyful gratitude. For those loving him, God works together. God is always working in the shadows, moving his good purpose forward in our lives in a thousand different ways that most times we are completely unaware of. He's working behind the scenes so that all of our circumstances are woven together to bring about God's good purpose in our lives. And at the end of time, when we look at the entirety of our lives, we will see that God has been working for our greatness and our glory. Friends, we cannot expect to understand life. Instead, God invites us to rest in him, not in our agendas or our plans or even our own understanding, but we rest in God. For those loving him, God works together all things. God uses the worst circumstances of our lives, even our flaws and our failures for his good purpose. And maybe you're here this morning and you've made a mess out of your life. And maybe you're wondering, have I messed up so badly that God is just done with me? Can God still love me? And can I just lovingly tell you, you are giving yourself way too much credit if you think you can ruin God's good purposes for your life. (laughs) Friends, sin is bad and we will have to deal with the consequences of our sin. But God is so great that he can even use all things, even our failures and our flaws for our ultimate good. God uses our sin to humble us and to teach us to see ourselves rightly and to see him rightly. He shows us our weakness and our need for him and then he shows us his goodness and his power. You cannot out-sin the grace of God. For those loving him, God works together all things into good. Paul doesn't say that all things are good because all things are not good. Cancer is not good. Alzheimer's is not good. Death is not good. Broken relationships are not good. Paul does not say that God makes bad things good. He says God brings good things out of the bad. And if you've lived enough life, you know that every cloud actually doesn't have a silver lining. And the Bible doesn't offer this view of life. Jesus was at Lazarus' tomb and he wept. Jesus knows he's about to raise Lazarus from the dead. He could have stood there grinning from ear to ear thinking, you know what, this looks bad, but I'm gonna raise Lazarus from the dead. It's all gonna work out and everyone's gonna be so excited. It's gonna be awesome. That's not what Jesus does. Jesus hates death and so he weeps in the face of it. And you know what this tells us? It tells us that if you're in the midst of grief and pain, God is with you in it. He weeps with you in your pain, even though he is working to ultimately bring good out of it. And that's the kind of God I can trust. This promise transforms how we face the tragedies and the joys of life. If God is working for our good in everything, then both the good things and the bad things advance his good purpose in our lives. And as followers of Jesus, we should never be that surprised by the hardness of life. We live in a broken and fractured world. Creation is groaning, we are groaning. The circumstances of life don't just work together for good by themselves, God is behind it all. And when when we find that things are working out for good for us, it ought to lead us to recognize that this is the grace of God in our lives. And it ought to result in gratitude and praise. Each week before I preach, there's something I do at some point in that week. I come into this room and I just walk the room and I pray for you. And I pray that the spirit of God would work in your life. And I pray that God would use my feeble words to communicate to you the wonders of who he is. And so this past Tuesday morning, I was in here and I was just praying for you. And as I prayed, I just became so overwhelmed with gratitude as I thought about where God has brought me. Because never in a million years would I think I would be standing here. And the greatest privilege and joy of my life is to preach to you from God's word. And as I thought about how God has worked in my life, how he has transformed my life, I was overwhelmed with gratitude at all the good that God has done for me. If there's any good in our lives, it's the grace of God at work in us and through us. God works together all things into good. But what exactly is that good? Verse 29, for those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. God works together all things so that we will be conformed to the image of Jesus. The good that God is after is character change. God's agenda for every disciple is to make us like Jesus. His desire for every one of us is for us to become the people that he's always intended us to be. He wants to change us from what we are now with all our fears and failures and flaws, all our struggle and sin, and he wants to set us free and transform us into the glorious image of Jesus for all eternity. And every circumstance of our lives he's using to to shape us and mold us into the image of Jesus. The word conform there doesn't mean superficial change. It means total change. We are being remade from the inside out, from the deepest parts of who we are. And we all want good for our lives, don't we? This week, I asked some preteen friends of mine, what does ultimate goodness look like in your life? And one of them quickly responded, to be a YouTube influencer, because I want to be famous. Now, we laugh at that, but if we're honest, many of us have a very similar response, don't we? What does ultimate goodness look like in your life? Maybe you might say a happy marriage, or successful kids, a a promotion or uh, the approval of others, or at least recognition for your hard work. I might say a successful ministry. And none of those things are bad. In fact, they can all be good. But Paul says, you know what ultimate goodness looks like in your life? It looks like becoming more like Jesus, and this is what God is after. Set your hearts on that, pursue that. Do not set your hearts on lesser things and make them ultimate things. God's agenda for your life is to free you and to change you so completely, so radically into the glorious image of Jesus for all eternity. For those loving him, God works together all things into good. Pandita Ramabai is one of my heroes. She devoted her life to empowering women and promoting gender equality in 19th century British-ruled India, a society where patriarchy was deeply entrenched. She was born into a Hindu family, and at 16, her parents became ill and passed away. A few years later, her only sibling, a brother, also died. When she was 21, she married, and she and her husband had a daughter. But shortly after that, her husband passed away as well leaving her a widow and a single mother at the age of 23. Hindus prohibited widows from remarrying. Widows were considered cursed and they were often abused and discarded by society. All that she suffered caused her to question her Hindu faith. And after hearing the gospel of Jesus Christ, she became a follower of Jesus. After reading the story of the Samaritan woman in John 4, she said, I realized that Christ was truly the divine savior that he claimed to be. And no one but he could transform and uplift the downtrodden women of India. In 1889, she founded the Mukti Mission as a refuge for destitute women and children and the disabled. The mission provided shelter, education, and vocational training for women and gave them tools that they needed to lead independent and fulfilling lives. She wanted the poor communities that she served to read the Bible for themselves in their own language. And so she learned Hebrew and Greek. And in 1905, and over the next 18 years, she translated the Bible into simple Marathi, one of the many languages of India. Her Christian faith made her a target of great persecution. Many saw her conversion as a betrayal of her culture and her heritage. And they accused her of attempting to convert others, which she was in fact doing. But despite this, Ramabai remained steadfast in her beliefs and she continued her work. Pandita Ramabai could have looked at the difficult circumstances of her life and found herself in despair. Yet in her suffering, she turned to God and she found in Jesus a hope that could not be taken away from her. She once wrote A life totally committed to God has nothing to fear, nothing to lose, nothing to regret. Today, when we look at the entirety of her life, we can see how God used the bad things to bring about good, good in her life as she became a follower of Jesus, but also good in the lives of thousands and thousands of others as she advocated for the marginalized and shared the gospel of Jesus Christ with so many. The Spirit forms us through God's providential care in our lives. The third truth, the Spirit forms us through God's plan for our lives. In verses 29 and 30, Paul lays out the process by which God conforms us to the image of Jesus. Verse 29, for those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. And those he predestined, he also called. And those he called, he also justified. And those he justified, he also glorified. Paul gives us five verbs that describe what God has done for those who put their trust in Jesus. A short word on each. First, God foreknew you. God is all-knowing, but that's not what Paul is talking about here. In scripture, when it says that God knows someone, it means that he has set his love on them in an intimate and personal way. Paul is saying God has set his love on you since the beginning of time that God forloved you. Next, he says that God predestined us. God planned a glorious destination for you. To predestine means to plan in advance. God has set a destination for you to be with him for all eternity and to be conformed to the image of Jesus. And then God called you. We saw this earlier in Verse 28. The called are those who God has brought into relationship with himself. The called are those who love God. And then God justified you. The moment you put your faith in Jesus, you are justified, you are declared not guilty, and you are legally treated as righteous and blameless because of Jesus's work on the cross for you. God foreknew you. He set his love on you. God predestined you. He planned for you to be with him for all eternity. God called you. He brought you into relationship with himself. God justified you. He declared you not guilty. And then Paul says, God glorified you. And to be glorified means that it means to have all sin eradicated and to be made perfect. But here's what we need to notice. The first four verbs are past tense. And if you've trusted in Jesus, they've already happened to you. But glorification is in the future. Paul talks of future glorification in the past tense. Now, did he just mess up the grammar? No, Paul is making a point. He's saying your glorification is so certain that it's as if it's already happened. Paul is showing us what God has planned. It's as if he's spreading a blueprint out in front of us and he's showing us from beginning to end what God is doing in us. God's purpose for your life is so undeniable. The cross of Jesus Christ is so powerful. The love of the Father is so extravagant. The work of the Spirit is so persistent that nothing and no one can stop God's good purposes for your life. And if God is advancing his eternal plan towards your future glory, then surely he's advancing your present circumstances towards good. Your life isn't just a bunch of random circumstances. God is at work and he has a plan for your life. God doesn't wing anything. And your life is anything but ordinary. God has put you in this time, in this place, in your family, in this community so that he might fulfill his good purpose for you. He's moving his plan for your life towards your eternal greatness and glory. And if you've put your trust in Jesus, the greatest meaning of your life is not in what you do, but in what God has already done for you. Martin Lloyd-Jones says this, the Christian is one who can be certain about the ultimate, even when he is most uncertain about the immediate. We have a hope so certain, so strong, that it will get us through the most difficult circumstances of life because our hope comes from beyond this life. The Spirit forms us by helping us in our weakness. The Spirit forms us through God's providential care in our lives. And the Spirit forms us through God's plan for our lives. Three truths, and now three invitations. Number one, bring your weakness to God and let the Spirit help you. Whatever struggle or failure or difficulty you're facing, bring that to God. The Spirit is with you in your weakness. Admit your need and bring it to God. Walk by the Spirit and rely on Him to help you in your weakness. Number two, trust that God is working all things together for your good. Dr. Tony Evans says, faith is acting like it is so, even when it is not so, so that it might be so because God said so. (laughs) Believe it is so because God said so. God can be trusted in all things, not understood in all things, but trusted in all things. The the longer I walk with Jesus, the simpler my theology gets because there's a lot that I don't understand about life. There's a lot that I don't know, but I know God. And I'm gonna to choose to trust him. And it is a very imperfect trust, but I'm gonna to choose to trust him anyway. God is always working, moving his good purpose forward in our lives in a thousand different ways that most times we are completely unaware of. He's working in, so that all of our circumstances come together to bring about his good purpose in our lives. He wants to change us from the inside out. He wants to set us free from all our fears and failures and flaws, all our struggle and sin. And he wants to transform us into the glorious image of Jesus for all eternity. This is what God is after. Trust that God is working all things together for your good. Third invitation, remember the ultimate even when the immediate feels uncertain. Your life isn't just a bunch of random circumstances. God is at work and he has a plan for your life. He is advancing his eternal plan for your life toward ultimate greatness and glory. And if that's true, then you can trust that he is advancing your present circumstances for your good. When life gets hard, when in those moments of pain and grief, cling to this hope, the hope of your ultimate glory with Jesus. In the most difficult moments of life, the Spirit is with you and at work in you, forming you to be more like Jesus. The Spirit is forming you by helping you in your weakness, interceding for you to the Father. Bring your weakness to God and let the Spirit help you. The Spirit is forming you through God's providential care in your life. God is weaving together all of your circumstances for your ultimate good. Trust that God is working all things together for your good. The Spirit is forming you through God's plan for your life. No matter what you're facing today, your ultimate destiny is eternal greatness and glory with Jesus. Cling to that hope. And remember, remember the ultimate, even when the immediate feels uncertain. Let me pray for us. Father, thank you that the Spirit is with us and at work in us, forming us to be more like Jesus. Help us to bring you our need and to rely on the Spirit to help us. Help us to trust that you are working all things together for our good. And help us to remember the ultimate, even when the immediate feels uncertain. God, would you help us to rely on the Spirit's work in our lives? We love you. We
0: ask this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you for listening to this teaching from Irving Bible Church. To learn more about who we are, visit IrvingBible.org/new.